Do we have free will? Are we really independent agents able to determine whether or not we want Jesus? Or is there something more at work? These are questions we're answering this week on Abounding Grace as we take a look at free will of man. Left to our own devices, would we choose God? Would we surrender self, pride, and follow after Christ of our own volition? Well, this is the question, isn't it? And we're finding answers in God's Word this week on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Greetings, and welcome to our program. We're continuing our series, Man's Free Will. We're in part two here today. We would invite you to join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Now let me give you a verse directly from the lips of Jesus in which he tells you why a person who is not a Christian doesn't even have the ability to desire to love the one true God and won't even desire to choose Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior if left to himself. We see in John 3 what Jesus says about the ability of the non-Christian. John 3, verses 19 and 20. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Now notice the two things that Jesus says about the human unconverted heart. He says the human heart, the non-believing unconverted heart, loves darkness and hates the light. And every desire that that heart is going to make, every choice it is going to make, everything it prefers and chooses to do is going to be influenced by that love of the darkness and its hatred of the light. Now obviously light and darkness are simply symbols in Scripture. Darkness symbolizes everything that is opposed to God, and light symbolizes everything that is loved by God. And Scripture says God is light. In Him is not darkness at all. Scripture also tells us that Satan is the prince of darkness. Jesus' own assessment of a person who is not a Christian, is that he loves what is opposed to God, he loves the darkness, and he hates the light. He hates everything that is connected to God. Now, he may not be totally sensitive to that fact. One of the things that makes the plight of the unbeliever actually so desperate is he is not always in touch with himself, and he has no idea as to how serious his condition really is. But nevertheless, the Bible says that a person that is not a Christian will never will to love God. Never will to become a Christian or to believe in Jesus because his whole heart is dominated by a love for darkness and a hatred for light. His whole life is depraved. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that man outside of Christ is dead in his trespasses and sins. Now, this is important, that a person who is not a Christian is spiritually dead. Oh, he may look alive. He may not smell like he's dead. He may walk around as if he is alive, but inside, he is a dead man. His entire spiritual life is dead, because when you are cut off from God, who is the source of all life, you die. 
God told Adam and Eve, the day you eat of the fruit, you will die that very day. Now they went on to live 900 years, but that day they died spiritually. Their whole inner life died in its rebellion against God. And everyone that is descended from Adam and Eve, which includes all of us, unless we have been touched by God's grace, are dead on the inside from the moment we are conceived until God makes us alive. We are spiritually dead. Now let me ask you a question, very serious question. How many corpse choices can a corpse make toward God? If you were to look at a corpse and you were to say to that corpse, Mr. Corpse, I want you to choose to love God. Is he going to do it? If I were to say, Mr. Corpse, choose to believe in Jesus and become a Christian, would he be able to? Mr. Corpse, desire God with all of your heart. Can he do it? Absolutely not. He is incapable of having those desires. He is dead. And that's the way the Bible pictures a man or a woman outside of Christ. He is dead in his sins. He is chained to his sins. He hates the light. He loves the darkness. He is totally depraved, incapable of doing anything that pleases God. Because his will and his heart is in rebellion against God. And that person will never, never, if left to himself, choose to believe in Jesus and become a Christian on his own will. He never will. Now that is the person from the fall into sin until conversion. He's free to choose Christ if he wants to, but he will never want to choose Christ because he loves the darkness and he hates the light and he is dead in his trespasses and sins. Scripture does say, whosoever will may come. But how much willing can a dead man do? A dead man will never will to come to Christ. Because you see, he must be raised from the dead. Regenerated in the power of Christ. That's where the gospel comes in. Now, beloved, I'm trying to impress you with the helpless condition of man's will outside of Christ. Now, what about man's will from the moment he is converted until he dies? Again, your will is different. Because the Bible says that God comes into a man's heart and he changes it. He takes out the heart that is a cesspool of sin and wickedness and he replaces it with a heart that loves God, that wants to serve God. He unchains his will. He sets him free from his bondage to sin. He cleans up, sanctifies, washes away the cesspool of evil within his heart. A clean heart that loves God now. Therefore, the new heart now is going to influence his choices and he can choose God since he has this new heart. You can never choose God until he gives you a new heart. You'll never believe in Jesus until God gives you a new heart. You'll never want to become a Christian with proper motives until God changes your heart and gives you a heart that loves Him. Let me make it as clear as I can. You will never want to choose Christ as your Lord and Savior until you have been born again. Until God has created a whole new birth within you and raised you from your spiritual death making you a new person on the inside. 
until he has regenerated you, causing you to be born from above. Without the saving work of our triune God, you would never believe in Jesus. You'll never want to believe in Jesus. You say, now wait a minute, Pastor Gary. Don't you have this all a little backwards? You know, I thought there was a best-selling book in the Christian bookstores on how to be born again. And in this book, there's 250 pages by a well-known evangelist. And it says, all you have to do to be born again is to believe in Jesus first. Don't you have this all backwards? I mean, Pastor Gary, you just said that no one will ever believe in Jesus until he is born again. But this book says you can't be born again until you believe in Jesus. Isn't what you believe backwards? No, I'm sorry. It's the other guy who has it all wrong. Remember, how much believing can a dead man do? If you can't even be born again until you believe in Jesus, and you are dead in your sins, how are you going to believe in Jesus? Let me give you a verse from God's holy word that shows you that you will never believe in Jesus. You will never even will to believe in Jesus until God, first of all, causes you to be born from above. Turn to John chapter 1. I love verse 12, and I've used it many times trying to lead people to Christ, where it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. Isn't that a great verse? But how many times have we noticed that verse ends with a comma? That's not the end of the sentence. The sentence says... But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who were born of God. What is it that we hear about man from every corner today? Man is saved by the free exercise of his will. Well, what does God say? We are saved not because of the will of the flesh, not because of the will of man, but because of the new birth that we receive from God. Now notice in verse 12, it says, Whoever receives Christ and believes in Him can count themselves as children of God. Well, who's going to believe in Christ? Verse 13. The focus of verse 13 is, going, is who is going to believe in Christ. Who? is going to receive Christ. It is those who are born of God. You cannot receive Christ. You won't receive Christ. You won't even desire to receive Christ until you have been born of God. Your will, beloved, is not your salvation. Your bloodline to your parents is not your salvation. Your own choice is not your salvation. You will never choose Christ unless Christ has chosen you. Again, you say, come on, Gary. You have really gone too far this time. Okay, let me give you another verse. Jesus said in John 15, most of you know this verse, you did not choose me. You did not 
choose me, but I chose you. Now, again, that is not my interpretation. That is a direct quote of that verse. Remember what he said in 1 John. You love God. Why? Because he first loved you. You see, we really don't realize how bad we are, my friends. Every man, woman, and child on earth almost has, almost has too high a view of himself. And the Bible says we are so depraved, incapable of remedying ourselves, so dead in our trespasses and sins, that it takes the direct intervention of God in the new birth to enable us to do anything that ever pleases God. For by grace... Are you saved through faith? And that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. You don't have the ability to work up faith anytime you take a notion to work up faith. God has got to give you the gift of faith or you will never, never, never believe in Jesus. For how much believing can a dead man do? A dead man can do no believing. He must first be raised from the dead. And that's what it means to be born again. Not the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. He must be born of God. Then his will is set free so that he can now embrace Christ as he is offered to him in the gospel. Let's look at John 3. This is something else Jesus said. Here we have the new birth. And you're going to say after we read this, there it is. Jesus tells Nicodemus he's got to be born again. He tells him to be born again. Let me give you a little grammar lesson before we delve into this text. I believe many of us, many of us, me included sometimes, have a hard time understanding the Bible because we are weak in English grammar. So let me ask you, do you know the difference between an imperative and an indicative sentence? Well, an imperative sentence, you tell someone what to do, like, go paint that wagon red. An indicative sentence is when you just state a fact. The wagon is painted red. All right now. Jesus addresses Nicodemus. He never speaks in the imperative here. That is, he does not tell Nicodemus to go and do something. Now, wouldn't that be pretty stupid on Jesus' part anyway, to go and tell Nicodemus to get yourself born? Why don't you get yourself conceived? No one has ever chosen for themselves to be conceived, right? That's why Jesus did not say to Nicodemus, go out there and get yourself born again. Because you see, that is the reason it is called a new birth. You and I have as much to do with our new birth as we did with our first birth. Absolutely zero. Look at John chapter 3 verses 7 and 8. Do not marvel that I say to you, that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. J Jesus says, this thing of the new birth, 
This thing of God making people arise, uh, alive, raising them out of their spiritual darkness so that they can do what they can't do in their own strength. And that is to choose God and to choose Jesus and become a Christian. That work is of the Spirit and it's like the wind. The wind blows wherever it wants to and it is irresistible and it is sovereign. Let me ask you, can you direct a hurricane? Can you put a sign on your front rower, on your front yard that says, Hurricane, don't blow this way? Of course not. The Spirit, just like the wind, blows wherever it wants to. You can't resist Him. He is sovereign. And when He sets Himself on raising you from the dead, when He wills that you rise from the dead, you will be raised from the dead. When God sets Himself on you, and determines to make you born from above, you will be born all over again. When He sets Himself on you and wills that you believe in Jesus, you will suddenly find yourself loving Jesus with all of your heart. The wind blows where it wishes. He is sovereign and He is irresistible. He will give the new birth to whomever He pleases. You can't direct Him, and you can't stop Him, and you can't resist Him. And unless the wind of the Spirit blows on you, beloved, you will remain dead forever. You will never desire God. You will never choose Christ. And you will never become a Christian until the wind of the Spirit raises you from the dead and sets you free. The only means by which a person can become a Christian, by which the Holy Spirit works, is by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Beloved, right now is the most opportune time in your life to become a Christian while you are listening to God's Word read and preached. If you resist... If you choose to continue in your deadness, if you refuse to repent, remember you are accountable for your deadness, your spirituality, your depravity, everything. You are accountable for all of your choices. And if you play fast and loose with the preached word, and you neglect the pressure that God is putting on your heart right now, you are neglecting and laying aside the only thing that can do you any good, because God's Spirit raises us to new life through His Word. You say, but Gary, there's just one confusing thing about your sermon today. Well, actually, there's probably several confusing things about my sermon today, but there is one major confusing thing. If you're right that men lost that ability to choose God that Adam had because of our sin, if you're right that all men who are not Christian love the dark and hate the light and are chained in their sin and are dead in their trespasses and sin and will never will or desire Christ and incapable of doing anything good or choosing God, and if it is true, you have got to believe in Jesus to be saved in order to please God, for without faith it is impossible to please God, 
And we don't have the ability to believe in Jesus any time I take a notion to because I'm dead spiritually. And if the only person who can do me any good is a sovereign God and the wind of the Spirit who blows on whomsoever He blows, He pleases, and is a sovereign God who has mercy upon whomever He will have mercy, and who will have compassion upon whomever He he will have compassion, and if I'm incapable of doing anything to direct Him in my way and winning His favor, where does that leave me? It leaves you at the mercy of God. And beloved, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want to be anywhere else than at God's mercy. And if you chide and you resist and grow angry inside over a God who is sovereign and His gospel that talks of sovereignty and our incapability that makes any future dependent on whether or not that sovereign God chooses me, and if that makes you grow hateful and angry in your heart, you don't understand how much you need mercy and how helpless you are. Because God, because beloved, this sermon has not been an exaggeration. Your only hope is in the sovereign will of God. If God has not willed your salvation, you will never want to be saved. And God is right now expressing His will through His Word. And faith comes by the hearing of that Word. And if you are here today saved by the wonderful grace of God, live your life fully out of gratitude for such a God who would save a wretch like you. And then spend the rest of your life telling others of this great, incomparable God. One last story, and then I'm finished. Several years ago, I had a discussion. Actually, a somewhat heated discussion with a friend over this very topic. I took this gentleman to all the scripture passages that I've presented to you over the past two weeks and actually several others. We talked about how we are dead in our sins and asked the question, how can a dead man raise himself up? We talked about how the Holy Spirit, like the wind, blows wherever it chooses and we can't direct it. He would come back with me, well, why didn't he choose so-and-so? And why doesn't he raise such-and-such out of their spiritual deadness? And he seemed to get more and more angry with me. His face was all red and his body stiffened. But then, after about two hours of this bantering back and forth, and this was not because of anything I did or said, But because of the work of God's Spirit, out of the clear blue sky, his face softened. And he said to me, with tears flowing down his face, Oh, Gary, why did he choose me? And beloved... If you ask any other question than that, why did he choose me? You have not understood the gospel. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose. As we conclude our time today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know the program encourages you as you take the time to join us as we study God's Word together. We'd love to hear from you. It means a great deal to us. It always does. 408-866-5607 is our phone number. Again, 408-866-5607. If you wish to visit us online, you'll be able to gather more information about us, who we are, what we believe, and where we meet. It's all found at reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. You can also drop us an email there as well. We even have past messages available online that you can tap into freely at your convenience. Again, reformedheritage.org or call 408-866-5607. Now, normally, we would invite you to join us for worship, but because of the shelter-in-place orders, we are suspending our in-person worship services here at Abounding Grace and Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose. If you'd like to know more, again, call us at 408-866-5607, or visit our website, reformedheritage.org. And then we also invite you to write to us. If that is something you don't mind doing, picking up a pen and paper, we'd love to hear from you. You can write Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road, and that's here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Thank you for spending time with us today. We look forward to hearing from you and looking forward to spending time with you in God's Word again here soon on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. 